Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to Stagecraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and my guest this week is Jessica Hagedorn, the acclaimed novelist, poet, and playwright who collaborated with composer... Fabian Obispo, to create the new musical Felix Starro. Hagedorn, who is perhaps best known for her award-winning novel Dog Eaters, about the Philippines of the 1950s, where she was born and grew up before moving to this country in her teens, wrote the book and lyrics for this musical about a Filipino faith healer. The show, which is produced by the Mayi Theatre Company, and is the first musical written by and about Filipinos in America, is now running at Theatre Row through September 21st. Hello, Jessica Hagedorn. Welcome to Broadway Radio. Hi, Jan. I'm very happy to be here. And I'm happy and excited to talk about your uh, musical, uh, Felix Starro. I wonder, though, if we could start off with you're telling listeners who haven't had a chance to see the show what it's about. Just a little bit of a scene setter for them. Certainly. Felix Starro is based on a short story by Filipino-American writer Leslie Tenorio. It was part of a collection published by Harper uh, called Monstrous, and it remains one of my favorite short stories of Leslie's. And when I first read it, I was completely captivated by the subject material. Being originally from the Philippines, I was visiting Manila when the phenomenon of New Age psychic surgery sort of became a worldwide sensation. And it was brief, but it was memorable. And it was during the 70s and early 80s. I'd gone back to visit my family, and I vividly remember all the discussions about it. And certainly the subject matter appealed to me, and the fact that this character was coming to the United States for one last healing mission was near and dear to my heart because of all the cultural collisions and the the themes of faith and loss and family. I, I really felt like it was something I wanted to... Uh, grapple with in a musical of all things. Now, Felix (laughs) Felix Starro is the name of the faith healer who comes uh, to the U.S. and he comes with his his grandson. And as you... Yeah, also named Felix Starro. It's sort of this legacy of faith healers. And so the name is very significant, yes. And you say you knew that you wanted to uh, do it as a musical. What what made it sing for you? You know, um, uh, I felt the elements of the original short story were so, even though it was, uh, you know, not a long short story, it was quite tight and very compressed, but there was a lot going on. And it felt so expansive to me and operatic. It just had big themes and it had to do with what does spiritual belief really mean and what does healing mean which lended itself to you know music i mean i'm very um influenced by music in my own writing and in my novels and in my poetry so 
music to me is very precious and uh, inspiring. Did you initiate then the, the, the idea of doing this as a, a musical and found uh, your uh, collaborator uh, Fabian Obispo or how did the project come together? Well, the project came together because we were asked to adapt one of, originally, years ago, one of Leslie's stories when we were in San Francisco. And I chose my favorite, of course, because I saw it as an opportunity. And Fabian, you know, is really well known in the theater world as a sound designer, but he's very well known in the Philippines as a composer and an arranger and i'd always wanted to work with him so when the two of us were sort of brought together i broached the subject to him of why don't we try this you know as a musical and he was intrigued and that's how it was born now this isn't though a direct translation from the page to the stage. Oh. I've, I've read this short story and you've made several significant changes. So could you talk about how you w went about your adaptation process? Well, I really um, thought long and hard about it. And of course, we did many workshops, development mm -hmm. workshops with Ralph Pena, our director, and approached it from many different angles. Can I give some spoiler alerts away? Well, I think it was the approach to Felix the Elder, the faith healer, mm -hmm. and whether or not he actually has the power to heal. So we, we tried it all sorts of ways. And also, I was in direct co communication with Leslie Tenorio, who lives in San Francisco, and is very generous mm -hmm. with this project and gave it his blessings early on. And I would have these conversations with Leslie. I'd call him up and I'd say, well... How do you feel about me setting the story much earlier than it, he sort of has it in a present tense, vague now story? And I thought, well, with the Internet and Google and all that, the way people can just look you up immediately and find out who you are and what's been happening in your life, um, I felt that that should remain mysterious, and I needed to set it earlier. And he was very open to it. You know, one thing about Leslie, he's a very generous writer, and he feels like his short story is his own, and it lives with him, and, you know, it has its own life, but this musical vehicle is something else and can be resilient in that way and flexible. Now, I, I know that you've adapted your own uh, novels and, 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 and other fiction for the stage. Was it different this time because it wasn't your own work? Was it easier, harder? I felt it was more challenging in a way because I, I really wanted to honor his work. Um, at the same time, you know, he'd given me his blessing, uh, Leslie. Mm -hmm. So I just really wanted it to be good, you know, more so than with my own work, I trust my instincts. And I kept thinking, am I doing right by him? Am I doing right by him? You know, no matter how different or where I took it, I just wanted it to be powerful for him. It was lovely to have him there for opening night. He's coming back this weekend because he wants to see it again with his family. Mm. And, and I'm 
so thrilled that he was moved by it. But you don't know that when you're <laughs> rehearsing, going, oh, my God. Uh, it's very different than doing your own piece, because your own piece, well, if it fails, it, it's fine. It's your work. Now, you said that you uh, were aware of psychic surgery uh, on your own from trips home uh, to the Philippines. But did you do research on these healers? And could you just say briefly for listeners who aren't familiar with this phenomenon, what they are, how they work? Well, uh, there were some three very famous ones, but probably the most famous was uh, a man named Agpawa, Tony Agpawa. But there was another one who uh, was actually written about in Shirley MacLaine's uh, book on spiritual healings. Mm -hmm. I cannot recall the title, but it was one of her her, her biggest bestsellers, you know, and mm -hmm. she wrote it, I think, in the early 80s. And she uh, wrote very eloquently about this man whose name was Alex Orbito. A lot of them were male, and they practiced what they called a very painless form of surgery with their hands on the body, and it was supposed to be sort of miraculous that they could extract whatever was ailing you with their hands, their bare hands, and that it would not hurt you, um, that afterwards it, the wound would miraculously close up again with their hands in a form of trance massage and that was bloodless you know afterwards the wound would close and there would be no icky stuff and that uh these extractions could be seen you know like you could see all the negativities that were in your body that was causing these ailments that no western doctors could cure and so often people came who were very desperate who'd seen all sorts of medical professionals and were told that there was nothing more they could do for them and they would come to the faith healers as a last resort and um, it comes from a long tradition in the philippines and in other cultures as well spiritual healers mm -hmm. and i believe in the united states you know certainly um, there is a similar practice that's been going on forever, you know, of people laying on of hands. Thanks. So um, a couple of uh, young women came to me who uh, saw the performance one night, a preview, and they were f originally from the South, and they were completely intrigued by it because, and these were uh, women who were non-Filipino, and they said, you know, uh, it was so close to what they had grown up um, witnessing. Very interesting to me. I was like, oh, something so culturally specific had resonance for them growing up in the South and believing. One of the things that I think you emphasized, or at least I took away from the show, more so than from uh, the short story, and I don't think this is a spoiler, is uh, Felix is the older Felix, the grandfather. His role is more ambiguous than yes. than in the the story, and I was wondering why you went in that direction. You are so perceptive because Leslie brought that up. He actually was so tickled by it, and he loved 
you know, that I went there with it. And it was something we had all discussed as collaborators, Ralph Pena, Fabiano mm-hmm. Bisco, myself, that to keep it mysterious was, in a way, a much more intriguing theatrical experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that because I'm not judgmental about this process. And, and the theme of faith. I believe, you know, I believe people look for miracles because we all must. Why do people go to Lourdes? Yeah. Why do people um, have visions? You know, why do we believe in prayer, the power of prayer? And, uh, you know, the power of saints. Uh, why do we have these beliefs? Well, they come from something very primal, I believe. So I thought, in a way... Felix, even if he's being accused of fraud and, you know, he's had some not very successful surgeries, has also had very successful psychic surgeries. So he cannot pull off the scam without believing in himself. He can't. None of these spiritual healers that we know of in America, the famous ones, or remember even the film Elmer Gantry, which I always love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how could he pull that off if he didn't believe in the moment? It's very much like being an, a great actor, you know. And that's the intriguing thing to me. So I wanted to explore that more and more. As we were doing these workshops, you know, we just did away with any judgments of Felix from the beginning. Except for one yeah. moment. And I, I, I don't want to talk about what happens, <laughs> the resolution of the moment. But... Yes. There is a moment when I I felt that you confronted him because he is now faced with someone who appears to have AIDS. Yes. Setting the story in 1985 San Francisco gave me that permission to imagine, and I spoke to Leslie about it beforehand, Uh, because it's huge, a patient who comes with AIDS. And what does Felix do? Yes, we won't spoil. We won't spoil. We won't spoil it, but he has an answer for it. And, you know, I love those moments that are so challenging. Mm -hmm. I love that in, in, in any artist's work. You know, like, I do not need to go to a, a movie or a theater, uh, spectacle and and walk away knowing all the answers or read a book and and be comforted you know because i know everything that's going on Um, i feel like part of it is to walk away with more questions than when i started and yet to feel oddly satisfied which i hope some people do you know when they see this and Um, i want to talk a little bit about the music you are a musician yourself. You you were a member of a band. Well, might have... yes. Well, <laughs> Not like on. I can't read music, but yes, very near and dear. Yes. So how did you and Fabian work together? Uh, because you wrote the lyrics for uh, the, the, the show. The for... piece, yes. Yeah. So how did the two of you work? Did you work together? Did you do lyrics first or he did music first? How did the two of you work? We worked in a variety of ways, and, and this is not the first musical I've worked on, so it, it, the answer is always the same, because sometimes we were together in the room. I mean, that's always ideal, because you can really, like, dig deep and sort of t- 
talk through the process of what this character needs in his or her song. Um, sometimes you have to do it on the phone and, like, throw around some ideas and some lines, you know. I always start, like, it's a poem. I might only have one line to begin with, and I will throw that or two or three, and throw that at Fabian either over the phone or by email and say, is this a direction you are loving or hating? Mm -hmm. And we have conversations because we all have to work while we're writing this epic, right? <laughs> and Fabian would be on the road working on another show, and, you know, uh, we'd have to arrange a way to do it long distance. And then he'd come back to... New York, and we'd get together, and it would be very intense, and I had his portable electric piano in my apartment for a year, you know, what? because it was always here, so that he could hammer out something. He's so good at um, coming up with musical ideas, so that you can go, no, yes, yes, no, and, you know, it had to make us both feel good so it was a true collaboration and so we'd hammer it out for however long and um work it out in the workshop process with ralph to see if a song needed more for example like tango of pain mrs delgado's big number um she's one of the clients yeah the wonderful uh widow with the mysterious ailments and uh the song in um the final rehearsals became longer because mm. you know ralph's suggestion was it needed even more now you say you worked on this over a period of five years and over that period the conversation about immigration in this country has changed significantly and i wonder what effect that had on your piece because one of the uh, subplots of the story is that the younger Felix wants to yeah. stay in the United States. And yes. so I wondered what effect, uh, and that's in the, 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 the original short story. So we're not spoiling right. anything here, folks. But um, did the immigration debate have an effect on that storyline for you? It just strengthened my resolve because that song, uh, which we will not spoil, mm -hmm. <laughs> that song was there from the beginning. Ah. Uh, that's one of the reasons I love that story. I feel that, uh, you know, a lot of folks have, have asked me that question in different ways mm -hmm. that you've just asked, and it's an important question. And I feel that it's been timely forever because mm -hmm. there's always been conflicts about refugees and immigrants in this country. If it wasn't the Irish, it was the Italians. You know, I mean, on and on and on, and who got to have the green card and who didn't. I certainly did not feel like it was just happening now. I mean, I think now it's really fraught and center stage in our lives, and it's gotten particularly ugly, mm -hmm. but I think that it's always been tension in this country uh, and in other countries, you know, about who gets to be here and who gets to become a citizen, and that people are always fleeing the war, a war or a bad situation or looking for a new life that's a little bit better 
than what they had in their country, in their home country. And it's so much a part of Leslie's story. And that's another reason I was so attracted to it, because I felt like it it had so many levels. Mm-hmm. And very subtly done in his in his way, in his signature way, and um, but it was all there, and I immediately, you know, was just drawn to it. So that song was written in our first workshop. Yeah, it was immediately like a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you one final thing as we as we wrap this up, and and that is, you are an accomplished novelist. Your um, novel. Uh, Dog Eaters was a winner of the American Book Award, and you're an accomplished, acknowledged uh, poet. What makes you uh, come back and write for the stage? What is it about the stage that you enjoy doing? I assume you enjoy because you come back. I do enjoy. I've always loved uh, the stage, and I certainly even as a child, remember um, being taken to the theater and uh, being so, well, it's play acting, isn't it? And it's storytelling and it's live. I think you get something from a theatrical experience that is so different than going to a film, which I also love, mm-hmm. that I love all mediums uh, of storytelling, but the stage is, is of the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like going church <laughs> and it has that live component and you feel the energy in the room when it's going well or when it's not going well you know and those performers i love actors when they bring a story to life there's nothing like it and when an audience responds it's it's an amazing experience and then it's gone it's very ephemeral but it stays with you. A great experience like that um, stays with you. It's palpable, and um, I love the challenge of it. Well, you've you've given us, I think, a really fascinating uh, experience with this uh, production of Felix Starro, and so I want to thank you for it, and I want to thank you again for talking with us about it. Thank you, Jan. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back next time and that you'll listen to all the other Broadway Radio podcasts, which you can find on broadwayradio.com.